Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Considering that Doctor Who is nearly 60 years old now, there's no surprise that a considerable amount of narrative has just been left by the wayside. After all, writers, producers, showrunners, even actors leave the show and sometimes they take those plot points with them. Audience reaction themselves can dictate whether we even bother going back to a plot point that nobody even liked. Timeless children looking at you, though we really should get back to you because there's a lot there. And when you factor in the fact that this is a show all about time travel and wibbly wobbly timey wimey nonsense, it's very very easy just to overwrite what happened in a standalone episode by doing something else in another episode. That is just how Doctor Who goes sometimes. So bearing in mind this big cast of characters that can just chop and change left right and centre, let's take a look at plot threads that we've lost over the last 57 years. Now some of these things might have come back in the books or the comics or the audio dramas and while they are considered canon, they're also kind of not considered canon because it wasn't on TV. We're just going to stick to TV. So these are the things, TV specifically, that we've been left in the dark with. My name is Rich, welcome to Who Culture, and these are 10 dropped Doctor Who threads we will never get answers to. Number 10, the truth behind the Midnight Entity. Arguably one of the best episodes of Doctor Who ever made, Series 4's Midnight pits the Doctor against a powerful, terrifying, and most importantly, unseen enemy. This Midnight Entity would approach this tour bus of sorts when it's broken down, managing to get in and out without A, the passengers noticing, or B, leaving a single trace of damage. It even stealthily possessed people and never actually showed its true form. All we had was, I think I saw a shadow, and that was it. While this horrific entity is seemingly vanquished by Sky being pulled out the front door by the hostess, we know nothing about this thing. We spent 45 odd minutes with it trapped inside one set, and it's never mentioned again. So what was the Midnight Entity, and are there more of them? While there have been plenty of fan theories regarding what this thing was, it is one of the few Doctor Who villains we genuinely know absolutely nothing about, and the writers, showrunners, whatever, have never made the effort to explain it. But at the end of the day, that's kind of the point. Why would we chase after answers for this creature when, if we knew what it was or what it was doing, it might detract from just how good Midnight was as an episode? So while it is on this list of plot threads we're not going to get the answers to, is it really a shame? Let me know in the comments below. Number 9. The TARDIS Adventures of Me At the end of Series 9, Clara Oswald survives. 
Yeah, she flies off in a diner with me. Not me, me, as in Maisie Williams is me, or Ashilda, or me, or whoever the hell this is meant to be. It was quite stupid. In fact, it was very stupid. I hoped I never had to talk about this absolute toss again. However, maybe thankfully, this trip cannot last forever. Why? Because Clara is dead. She's only alive right now because the Time Lord plucked out of the moment before she died to that raven, so she has no heartbeat, no pulse, and one day she will have to go back and accept her demise. And when this eventually happens, Clara can't keep running forever, please someone get her, me will continue to not age, be a bit iffy without Clara's moral compass, and may just start wreaking havoc across the universe. She's got a flipping TARDIS, for goodness sake. It is a potential recipe for disaster, but it's something the show hasn't actually looked back on yet. And as said, I don't think they ever will, or ever should. This weird Ashilda slash me plot thread died when Stephen Moffat left the show, and Maisie Williams herself has said that she's not going to be returning to the show. It feels like a plot thread that was sort of touched upon with this whole hybrid nonsense and then just sort of fell off again because Moff couldn't come up with a good plot. So let's just imagine that Clara and me flew off in a diner and, I don't know, they hit a stone that was on the TARDIS road and they flew into the sun. Let's go with that. Number eight, the Silurians sharing the Earth. Before Chris Chibnall got the keys to the TARDIS, turned on the ignition and just f***ed off into a pile of manure like Biff Tannen in every single Back to the Future film, he wrote The Hungry Earth and Cold Blood, bringing the Silurians back to Doctor Who in series five. Turns out they're living in a big civilization complex within the Earth. However, these Homo reptilia are not happy that the Homo sapiens are up and about gallivanting around on their land, so they eventually come back up to try and take it back. In Cold Blood, an eventual plotline is established about the Silurians and the humans sharing Earth, but since the General is much more interested in killing everyone, this doesn't get very far. So the Doctor proposes a solution. The Silurians go back into hibernation for another thousand years, and once that thousand years is up, the human race must, must be ready to share their planet. But apart from Madame Vastra and then kind of appearing again in series six, the Silurians aren't really heard from again. This is where this plot thread ends. We have seen Earth past 2010 present day, and yet, the Silurians, at least if we are past that thousand years, are nowhere to be seen. Did everything just go cock up? Was there a war? Did the Doctor accidentally stick him in for 10,000 years and they've woken up like Fry in Futurama or something? Will we ever see this future where humans and Silurians can, you know, get along? Not like that, but you know, they're, they're good friends, yay! Chris Chibnall has the keys to the TARDIS now, and whether we see the Silurians come back in series 13 or further, not a clue. Number seven, Ace's ambiguous ending. When Doctor Who was unfortunately killed off in 1989, Sylvester McCoy still was the Doctor, but Sophie Aldred's Ace just kind of disappeared. She wasn't seen at the beginning of the 1996 movie, it was just the Doctor, so what happened to her? The end of 1989's survival just saw the Doctor and Ace walking into the distance with the Doctor saying, come on Ace, we've got work to do implying that their travels will continue, and initially that was going to happen with series 27 in 1990. In that next series, Ace was going to end up going to Gallifrey and becoming a Time Lord. Somehow, don't really know how, but because the show was canned, instead, she just, she just went. Though she's had a lot of love in the novels and the Big Finish audio dramas, and in fact, Sophie Aldred herself has written a book featuring, I'm pretty certain, the 13th Doctor, 
Ace has never really been seen again. She did appear in a class audiobook, which I think is a sequel to Remembrance of the Daleks, which means I should really listen to it, but otherwise we genuinely just don't know what happened to her, and it's really sad because Ace is just full of beans and is great. The Seventh Doctor got an ending, and she didn't. Number six, the whereabouts of the Kaverian chapter. Madame Kaverian was a recurring villain scene throughout series six. She was the woman behind the little slidey panel and looking at Amy all the time. And eventually it turns out that she was the person behind turning River Song, or Melody Pond, spoilers, into the killing machine that we kind of know her as today, resulting in the Doctor's death at Lake Silencio, Utah. It is Utah, isn't it? In the finale of season six, The Wedding of River Song, Madame Kaverian is herself put to bed, or more aptly put to dead, by Amy Pond herself in an act of revenge, but then the entire episode's worth of events is wiped. So this means, presumably, the Kaverian chapter, including Madame herself, are still going alive and well and are running about the Hooniverse. So where are they? Villains do get dropped in Doctor Who all the time, we just see them and then they're gone again, but Madame Kaverian had such an unbridled hatred for the Doctor, surely she will be searching for him knowing that she hasn't succeeded in her mission yet. So where did she go? Well, the simplest explanation is the fact that the Kaverian crew, with a K, you know, like Krusty the Clown and Camp Krusty, were created by Stephen Moffat and he left the show after the Christmas special in 2017, so... Obviously, the Kaverian chapter just simply died with him. Now, it's not exactly like new writers can take old characters and bring them back in some way. I mean, Chris Chibnall, for all of his faults, actually brought back Captain Jack and wrote him absolutely bang on. But Madame Kaverian and the Kaverian chapter were so intrinsically tied to series six, seeing that being brought back again, you know, five, six, seven years later, just seems really odd and therefore probably won't happen. And do we care? Not really. Number five, the Alliance of Villains. While this isn't really an abandoned plot thread, it's more of an abandoned story idea. Think of it as a sort of suicide squad for Doctor Who, but not suicide squad. I mean, the suicide squad, you know, the new one that might actually be good. It's got Peter Capaldi in it, so Doctor Who crossover way. Revealed in the first part of the season five finale, the Pandorica is actually a prison for the Doctor to keep him in, to keep him away from the events of, you know, everything. But which villain got him into the Pandorica? The answer is all of them. This Pandorica plan was engineered by a group called the Alliance. Basically, the most iconic people in the Doctor's rogues gallery all coming together to take him down. Since none of them have managed to do so themselves, they join together, they can kick the Doctor's ass, and lo and behold, they did. Obviously not, they did reboot the universe, etc, etc, but for a little bit, they had actually beaten the Doctor. So why didn't we see this alliance again? I mean, they'd beaten their biggest enemy, and to be honest, after that point, now that there's no other big threat for them to take out together, they'll just turn on each other and, you know, surely the Daleks will win because the Daleks are the strongest and they're the coolest. Obviously. Now, admittedly, the events of the Big Bang completely negate all of that stuff with the Alliance actually getting the Doctor in to the Bandorica. Wow, Moffat really does like just wiping out everything he's just done. Maybe Chris Chibnall could take that same approach to Timeless Children. Ooh. But even though they didn't know they did defeat the Doctor, surely if they managed to come together once before, they could come together again, still knowing that they could take down the Doctor as a big team, rather than just having their own little weekly squabbles with him. Or them. However, this big team up on a scale such as what we saw in the Pandora Opens a Big Bang probably won't be seen again. I would like to see more aliens and 
enemies team up together. I want to see the Daleks and Sontarans do some baked potato egg whisking and stuff like that. But again, Suicide Squad levels? Eh, maybe not. Maybe for the show's 60th anniversary or the final, final, final episode they ever do. And they just do like a big clip show. I don't know. Number four, Sleep No More's cliffhanger ending. Sleep No More is quite an underrated Doctor Who episode in my opinion. I think the found footage approach to Doctor Who was really cool. Please give us some more interestingly produced episodes of Doctor Who. Now the plot wasn't all that great. It was basically a two-parter stuffed into one and funnily enough, it actually ends with a cliffhanger. At the end of the episode, it turns out that Reese Shearsmith's character, Re what did that say? Rasmussen. It's been a while since I've watched it. He's actually a Sandman as well. And he said that he edited together this episode, meaning the whole found footage approach is actually sort of in-universe canonically correct. And he says that anyone who watches this will be turned into a Sandman. Ooh. And he broadcasts it across the entire universe to potentially billions of people. But then it just stops. That's it. So surely that means the Doctor in the future should just come across a future with everyone being a Sandman. Maybe everyone already are Sandmen, like how he didn't realise he was one the whole time. But no. Nothing. Well, it turns out that Mark Gatiss, who wrote this episode, was going to do a sequel to this in Series 10, but instead wrote the... Uh, okay, Empress of Mars. He did actually have more stuff planned for the Sandmen, but unfortunately it never came to be. And I'm looking forward to rewatching Sleep No More. I thought it was good. Number three, the mystery of the Valyard. The trial of a Time Lord saw Colin Baker's Doctor out of the show. It was a bit of a slog, but it introduced us to a character we'd not seen before and not seen since, the Valyard. According to the Master, he is a future incarnation of the Doctor, a manifestation of all of his darkest parts, and he's quite a sinister bloke. Considering how important he seemed to be and how he was introduced, we'd assume that we'd see the Valyard more and more, almost like a new master. But after the end of Trial of a Time Lord, you just see him laughing into the camera, kind of implying that we're going to get more in the future, but that was it. Even 30 years after the first and almost only time this character appeared, every single series we're expecting to see more of the Valyard. Anyone that gets cast in the show that we know of a guest casting, we think it's a Valyard, but no, still nothing. But the events of the Timeless Children really open up the canon to fit the Valyard in. I mean, he was right there in Trial of a Time Lord. Whether he was actually a future incarnation of the Doctor or not might have been a lie, we don't know. But now he definitely can fit. So where does he fit? And now that we've had, like I said, this big revelation, could this be the point where they really do introduce the Valyard again? Does Ruth or the Fugitive Doctor regenerate into the Valyard? Oh god, my head hurts. Well, we'll have to see how the future of the series goes into series 13 and beyond. It seems to be the fans care about the Valyard, the creators, maybe not. Number two, the curious absence of the Reapers. In the series one episode, Father's Day, Rose goes back in time to save her dad from being hit by a car and killed. Obviously this means there's gonna be a big old paradox and in the new Who universe, it seems to be that a paradox brings along the Reapers, big dragon-like things with big old belly mouths that basically sterilize a paradox wound. They come in when something goes wrong and they just kill everything within the paradox. Now, it's not exactly like this is the only time we've seen a paradox in Doctor Who. Paradoxes happen all the damn time. It's a show about time travel. So why have we never seen the Reapers 
again, surely every single time a paradox happens, we should just see one appear in the background and eat some poor bloke on a swing. Now, as per usual, there are lots of theories as to why we haven't seen the Reapers every time a paradox kicks in. Number one might be the fact that Father's Day is just a very, very special or unique example of a paradox, or the fact that there aren't enough Reapers to go around, because depending on how many TARDISes or time travel vortex manipulators or whatnot are in the, in the universe at the time, we don't know how many different paradoxes these Reapers are going to be stretched to across the entire universe. Maybe every paradox we've seen since Father's Day has just been lucky enough to not be reapered to death. But then again, that all sounds kind of stupid. The real reason as to why I haven't seen him again is because it would get really boring. Like I said, paradoxes happen all the time in Doctor Who. If just a Reaper showed up every single damn time, it would get boring. If the Daleks show up in every single series, it would get boring. If they keep bringing back the Weeping Angels, it will get boring. So that's probably why they've not been back yet. But saying that, it would actually be quite cool to see him again, especially if they were completely unexpected. No big build-up to them coming back. The Doctor just goes, oh crap, it's you again. And number one, Rose and the Metacrisis Doctor's TARDIS adventures. Now this one might have thrown you a bit. What do you, what do you mean, Rose and the Metacrisis Doctor in a TARDIS? What? what do you, Rich, are you okay? So this isn't necessarily much of a dropped plot thread, it's more of a dropped whole plot point. It was a deleted scene that was shot for Series 4's finale, Journey's End. When the Doctor and Donna go and drop Rose and the Metacrisis Doctor back on Bad Wolf Bay, there was a deleted scene where the Doctor, the real Doctor, gave the Metacrisis Doctor a chunk of TARDIS. The TARDIS is an organic thing. TARDISes are grown and it seems to be like a starfish. You lob a bit off and uh, another one grows, kind of like the uh, the Metacrisis Doctor, a nice little parallel there actually. So it seemed to be that the Metacrisis Doctor and Rose could have their own TARDIS and have their own adventures in their own little universe, which is sort of nice to think about. But in reality, it wouldn't have really worked. There'd have been a lot of fan expectations because as much as, like I said, we'd like to know while we're in our universe and seeing our Doctor Who television program that a, another parallel is, they're going off and doing their own thing like they always wanted to. Fans might have expected it to be a spin-off. And obviously with David Tennant being both the Doctor and the Metacrisis Doctor, he can't really do Doctor Who and a Metacrisis Rose spin-off at the same time. And even if they went back and did that Metacrisis spin-off after David Tennant left the show in 2010, maybe David Tennant and Billy Piper wouldn't have wanted to do it. I mean, they only came back, I mean, Billy came back a couple of times, but David has only been back once since he left the show. And he doesn't want to do Doctor Who forever, and I can understand that. So maybe that is another reason why we never got this supposed potential, I guess, spin-off show. It would have been dead cool to see a TARDIS grow like a tree with a police box hanging from it. But yeah, practically, it made sense to cut it, as touching as that might have been. Hold up, what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.